Hello, welcome to Fueling the Transition, the podcast series from A-Free Management Consulting, where we consider decarbonization, decentralization, and digitalization and the impacts those will have on the energy sector. My name is Matt Brown. I'm Vice President in the Management Consulting Division at AFRI. In this episode, I'm very pleased to say we have two people from the Energy Systems Catapult, and we'll go on to explain a little bit about uh, the Energy Systems Catapult in just a moment. But I've got George Day, who's Head of Markets, Policy and Regulation, and Sarah Keybright, who is Practice Manager in Markets, Policy and Regulation. Hello to you both. Hi, Matt. Hello. We're also joined by my colleague, who's a director in the Oxford office at AFRI Management Consulting, and that's Gareth Davis. Gareth has a long history as a recognized expert around the areas of regulation, policy, and market design in the energy sector. Hello, Gareth. Afternoon, Matt. So for those who don't know so much about Energy Systems Catapult, I'll just give a brief introduction and uh, then I'll ask George maybe to, to fill in a little bit more uh, about what a catapult is and uh, the great work that's going on there. So uh, in the energy systems catapult, the mission is to unleash innovation and open new markets to capture clean growth opportunity. There are 200 innovation expert hubs in Birmingham and Derby. It is established, overseen, and funded by Innovate UK, independent from the government. It's not for profit. And it's really meant to bridge the gap between stakeholders in the sectors. These catapults are really meant to be about whole system thinking and joining up the different silos that that, that are sometimes split apart. Putting it all together, that's across all parts of the value chain from generation down to buildings, consumers, um, looking at not only electricity, but electricity, heat and transport. And of course, heat and transport are really where a lot of the big challenges are uh, for us in the energy transition as we stand today. And then looking at the physical system, the digital system, the market and the policy, putting that all of that together. So With that, perhaps, George, I can ask you a little bit more about some of the work that's going on in the energy system catapult. Sure. We've got a whole range of different offerings, different work. We have different service platforms. So we support innovators, uh, SMEs who are looking to get into the the marketplace in various parts of the, uh, the value chain in things like smart controls and low carbon buildings and so on. We've got a service platform called Modern Energy Partners, which is working with the public sector estate, looking at innovative solutions for uh, low carbon energy and things like prisons and hospitals and public sector sites of various kinds. We've got an international platform uh, which is uh, which is working uh, uh, with a you know a range of um, partners overseas. We have quite a bit of work in terms of modelling the energy system in in various ways. Uh, a whole kind of suite of different modelling tools that we can use to look at the energy system at different scales. So looking at local energy uh, transitions and what solutions might look like at uh, at a sort of town level all the way up to sort of national level. 
We also do a lot of work on consumer insights. So how are consumers going to respond to new um, to new offerings, new new ways of interacting with with energy in their homes, uh, smart charging of electric vehicles, that that kind of thing. And then we've got a big emphasis on data and digitalization as well. So um, we worked, for example, did a lot of the work on the Energy Data Task Force. So looking at the issues around how do we open up data in the energy sector and really unlock some of the uh, the benefits for innovation of access to data and digital services and so on. Thanks very much. And it seems to me that it's really important, especially the consumer end of it, the behavioural end of it, as we look forward trying to really make use of all of the flexibility that's embedded in the electricity system, in the energy system, um, what consumers, how they'll engage, what they'll want uh, in terms of their input you know, preferences and so on, how much of that is is going to be coming from them, how much could be AI learning preferences over time. That's a really fascinating end of the market and a real potential constraint on delivering what we what we really want to deliver into the future. Um, and, and I know we've been working together on uh, on a few projects over time and all of them are really about rethinking electricity markets. In terms of those projects, where have those projects come from, especially perhaps the most recent one where we were looking in in some detail at the the electricity market design itself? So if you could explain where those have come from and then also perhaps, you know, put that in the context of what are the challenges that we face, you know, why are these so important? So I think our work on uh, rethinking electricity markets has um, has come from an you know sort of inherited a number of directions from work we've done in the past, looking at particularly smart systems and heat, the challenges around decarbonising buildings and homes, all the different kind of variety of challenges that 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 you need to deal with in that context. So looking at the consumer aspects, of course, but also the the, uh, the building fabric aspects of that. So when we were doing this, this kind of work and also looking at um, some of the national questions around the shape of the energy transition, we kept coming back to these issues around electricity markets and really trying to understand the role of zero carbon electricity as an energy vector How do we get the right kind of incentives for the right mix of technologies to to enable electricity to play that role in in getting us to a to a low carbon to a net zero future? We kept looking at a a whole range of different challenges around that. We seem to keep circling around these issues about how, how does the electricity market work? How does it represent? the value of things like flexibility and uh, the value of different forms of generation or storage or demand side flexibility to the system as a whole. So we kept coming back to these issues. So we decided that that it really made sense for us to do a project, a kind of thought leadership project, looking at the, the challenges, bringing that whole system perspective to bear on, you know, how do you get the right set of market arrangements in place? And we were very conscious that there were a number of problems that we could see in the current market. Uh, so we looked, for example, at the way the current policies and mechanisms interact 
to to reflect the system value of technologies and we found that the they didn't really work that well. So there were some technologies which might have, from a system point of view, be highly valuable, but but not actually being rewarded that well in, in the marketplace or, it, or, or through the, the mechanisms that give rise to revenue for investors. So there's that set of issues. And then uh, around, uh, particularly around flexibility. So we've seen a lot of, you know, huge growth in renewables, obviously, but flexibility kind of failing to keep pace with that and and a concern from many of the innovators uh, and innovative new companies in the marketplace that um, that there wasn't really the, the 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 kind of price signals the market signals to reward them for for bringing flexibility onto the system so you know government being very concerned about that but but actually in the marketplace not not really having the right kind of uh, signals to uh, to reward people for doing that so those are the sort of issues that that we were looking at uh, exploring in the the rethinking electricity markets uh, work that we've done that's very interesting and you know in a in a world where you're trying to understand technology and understand uh how you know how different forms of technology might develop what's out there what's possible then i i could also guess that it's a changing picture things are changing so rapidly these days so sarah you know how how do you incorporate that in the thinking in terms of this area? Well, yeah, that's our starting point, really, and, and thinking about how the, the future might unfold. I mean, certainly with our cost-optimizing modeling that, that we, we do at the Energy Systems Catapult, it's really clear that in any pathway to net zero, there'll be a high share of variable renewables, and at the same time, a significant development of smaller-scale decentralized resources connected at low voltages or behind the meter. And we also expect you know, increasingly a much larger presence of potentially controllable resources across different appliances or devices, electric heating, electric vehicles, domestic generation and storage and so on. And at the same time, we will lose um, we will lose the conventional, you know, large scale conventional transmission connected generation that provides certain services like inertia um, that we've been taking for granted. So there will be, you know, new risks and and with it, a lot of opportunities, but it's crucial, you know, from our perspective to um, minimize total systems costs as we transition to net zero while we maintain system reliability. And the key goal, you know, of any policy framework is to do that. And to do that, you need much more power system flexibility, including on the demand side, because this is key to keeping those costs down. So with all this fast moving technological change, you know, we want innovation to thrive and we don't want to constrain it. And it's it's clear with our work with AFRI that it was really important. You know, it's really important to get those market prices right, and um, and to evolve the policy framework in a way that is aligned with that. That you know, so it doesn't distort price signals, which we feel is happening at the moment. So where we have ended up really is is looking at a policy framework that is downstream. Um, at the moment, it's upstream and government determines the inputs. So this this is quite hampering for innovation. And, and as I said, the policies are distorting. But with a decentralized policy framework, you would apply obligations on the market actors that actually drive markets. And that's the retailers and consumers. And these important market outcomes really relate to carbon reduction and reliability. So this is you know, where we got to. It's about evolving the policy framework 
in, in a way that would support innovation and support developing the system and the markets constructively. So you need you need a policy framework that it can allow um, innovation, adaptation, and for it not to be so top down and and rigid, uh, right? In in order to 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 allow that to happen, because I you know we've seen sometimes examples of of people investing in batteries and they've been investing in batteries on the basis of today's um, regulations for for networks and. And we we might point out to them that you know it's unlikely some of those things that we've we've seen in the past are going to last for for forever or for that much longer. So I think it's always really important to understand how that policy and regulation is going to adapt into the future. So that's very interesting to think of that more decent, you know, sort of downstream world and what that might look like. So perhaps Gareth, you know, we can bring you in then and uh, and ask you what are the What's your view in terms of electricity to market design then? What are the strategic choices we've got there? Thanks, Matt. That's a good question. I think there's many, many strategic choices out there. I think one of the key ones that that I'd want to focus on, which picks up on what George and Sarah have been saying, is really how should the market design be set up so that we're actually properly signaling the the value of of flexibility going forward? Um, So... We've already heard that the net zero electricity system will have some very different characteristics to the system of today. On the one hand, we'll have a generation mix that is less predictable and and flexible and and probably much more distributed across the voltage um, levels of the network. Uh, And on the other hand, we'll have a demand side, which through a combination of of sector coupling uh, and the rapid evolution of smart systems and digitalization really has the potential to um, to have material opportunities for for providing demand side flexibility but but we need a a market design that not only can deliver the the millions of investment that's required uh, for the transition but ensures it's the the right type of resource in the right locations to to ensure we're able to minimize the the energy system cost and to maintain the sort of reliability and security on an operational um, level as well. And for us, I think this means we need a market framework that provides more accurate, dynamic, short-term signals so that we can get a efficient real-term operation and with a, a much stronger locational aspect to it as well. Thanks very much. George, do you have anything to add on uh, on that point? It sounds wonderful, doesn't it? Um, yeah, I... I, I pretty much agree with with uh, with everything Gareth has talked about there um, you know we are facing a a, a very different uh, future um, much more decentralized uh, much more flexible kind of electricity system much more uh, interactions um, and not just kind of flows from a centralized generation outwards so um so those locational and real-time signals are really important um the other thing i i'd add i suppose is around as we go deeper into decarbonization um then getting the carbon uh decarbonization driver properly reflected into the market signals is really key. And we've kind of used various clunky mechanisms to date uh, to do that. We've had, you know, obviously the carbon price 
emissions trading. And then uh, in the UK, we've had the um, carbon price support on top of that. And then we've had CFDs coming in supporting um, uh, low carbon generation as well. But if we can kind of sort the the way in which the the imperative to decarbonize is is you know get that properly sorted out in in market signals and that would be a huge uh, step forwards not only for for the electricity system but for the wider energy system because zero carbon electricity is going to play such a central role in decarbonizing energy demands in 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 heat and in transport in 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 the future in the 20s and the 2020s 2030s 2040s so really getting getting the right mix and the right role for zero carbon electricity is really important going forward so uh, so perhaps sarah back to you in in terms of making all this happen do you see there being many challenges for the implementation of, of getting there I think, yeah, yeah, undoubtedly there are uh, challenges, but one of the the most significant, I think, is is time. You need a lot of time to develop reforms, to phase them in, evolve them, and so on. Especially primary legislation is needed. So, um, and at the same time, you know, the market participants they have to adapt. Um, so there's a high risk, I think, that we'll be caught on the back foot, given the ambition of net zero and the fast pace of technological change, given it takes so much time to, 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 to make regulatory change and adapt markets and so on. So I think it's necessary to be really ambitious and to have a clear vision of where we need to get to and the ultimate outcomes that we need to achieve. And this is, you know, incorporated in our overarching policy framework and market design that we developed with AFRI. Um, and it's um, we've come to the conclusion it's quite clear we need to start now to evolve that policy framework. Um, and it's important to think about the phasing of change. So, for example, in theory, you know, when we think about replacing the centralized capacity market, you know, we develop proposals that are decentralized. Um, you could jump from the centralized capacity market that we have today to something you know, much more minimalist like strategic reserves that would only be used if the market fails to clear. But the government probably wants more assurance that capacity will be available in times of scarcity and perhaps market participants want, you know, time to adapt. So with this decentralized approach that we developed with AFRI, you could start off with a strong role for government as it could set the capacity requirement. But over time, you know, as the market develops and as demand-side flexibility grows, the retailers could eventually take much more responsibility um, including for determining the resource requirement to achieve the reliability that they think is necessary. And the government could reduce its role and, and also the system operator as well would reduce its role. So I wonder, Gareth, if there are um, things we could also learn from other markets when we're thinking about this area. Uh, did, you, did you pick up on anything during the work that was, uh, that was applicable? And then I think after that, perhaps... Um, Perhaps, George, you could tell us a little bit about the market design concept itself that uh, Energy System Catamult is promoting. So, yes, uh, you know, we can definitely learn from, from the other markets. And in particular, um, a lot of our collaboration that we've done with the, the Catapult has actually been around identifying alternative market design options through case studies. Um, so, for example, um, if we are looking at, at more granular locational signals, we've looked at zonal markets like the Nordpool market to understand how they address some of the risks in, inherent in that type of system. 
um, to do with changing or redefinition of the the pricing zones or the congestion cost exposure that um, the market participants might face. And then on the other side, uh, when we're considering aspects like more decentralized options for delivering supply security, um, we've seen examples such as the French supplier obligation. We put the the retailer in charge of the decision on, on how to manage its portfolio of generation contracts and of demand to actually meet the sort of centralized requirement for, for, for supply. So there's there's definitely a lot we can learn from from how other markets have, have looked at the, um, the these issues and are dealing with them at the moment. But obviously we we still need to realize that the the GB has uh, GB itself has some unique characteristics and we are you know, very much going into a, a system that is is very different than than any market we we have at the moment absolutely and it's it's a really really important point for us in the in our sort of regulation policy market design practice that uh, we never come with a one size fits all solution the 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 so many local aspects that one has to consider in terms of in terms of the resources that are available you know if you're a hydro system or a heavily thermal system or if you're you know what your objectives ultimately are it, it really has to start from first principles uh, in in every country in every location in every region so then george i mean we've talked a lot really around the subject can you pull it together for us and tell us you know sort of in, in essence what is the market design concept that uh, that uh, you're promoting okay uh, yeah I, I think we all know the uk is quite a consumer driven economy um so our concept uh, that we developing and promoting in the uk concept is is very consumer centric so developing the idea of energy service providers or retailers who are acting on behalf of consumers and doing a lot of the uh, upstream contracting and optimization of energy resources on to deliver uh, attractive services to consumers. Uh, and that that's really lies at the heart of our vision. But in order to kind of bring about the market conditions to enable that to happen. You have to have the right kind of pricing framework sitting around that. So the uh, the players in the market need to be facing uh, much more accurate price signals that are reflective of the, the underlying physics of the decentralized uh, uh, variegated electricity system, uh, the, the zero carbon electricity system that 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 we, that, it, that we're developing now. So, so much more uh, granular price signals in by time and location. So that provides those energy service providers with the uh, the business case, if you like, the incentives, the price signals to respond to, so that they can contract and optimize uh, in delivering. Um, the service offering to consumers. The other thing you need to get right around that then is the overarching policy framework, the obligations that are placed on the, uh, the, the, the market participants. And so there's two elements to that really, the, the sort of system-wide um, obligations that, that, that we think uh, need to be met and, uh, and expressed in, in, uh, as an outcome 
is is around decarbonisation. So that could be in the form of uh, of a carbon intensity obligation uh, across uh, a, a retailer's portfolio of supply, uh, and then a reliability obligation. So um, which relates to the the reliability of the um, the service offering to um, to consumers. So that's the the broad overall concept uh, as of, of the kind of uh, market design that 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 we think would would work in this future that we're moving towards and would it would really enable uh, markets and innovation and new products and services and digitization to really come together uh, and optimize all of the these uh, these various uh, um, zero carbon energy resources plus the flexibility that you need to to complement them to deliver that that those those attractive uh, energy services to consumers uh, and that, that's that's really the concept that that we're working with uh, it's going to take a while to get there but but that's the sort of vision of the the direction of travel thank you and and you know i suppose i have to ask does it go far enough the concept to deliver what we need what do you think well we we would argue that uh what we're suggesting is pretty ambitious um it's a long way from where we are at the minute where where you know the the, the market is is kind of heavily you know there's a lot of interventions that that don't really match up very well in in and a kind of complex mix of policies at the minute so so it's a kind of radical move uh from that um you know uh, 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 and it's um it, it it's a change in emphasis if you like for to 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 this idea of decentralized markets with outcome based obligations so um the way we've kind of tested as to whether we think it goes far enough is to look at some of the challenges that we think we face uh, that any new market um, market concept or market design needs needs to address. So um, things like, you know, is it capable of delivering enough zero carbon resource investment because we're going to need a lot of that? Um, uh, is it um, is it able to to integrate uh, the the various um, different energy resources into the system adequately. Um, so so those are the kind of challenges that that we feel need to be addressed. And we think uh, this concept uh, it is 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 an ambitious uh, uh, direction to, to to take policy. It will take some time to get there, but it's it's um, fit for a sort of zero carbon. Uh, future, which you know, in the electricity system, we're going to have to get pretty close to zero carbon uh, in the 2030s. So, so it's not actually that far away. Thank you, and I think it's you know, I think it's so important for everyone that there is a a, a good vision out there of where we're headed to. Because, um, Sarah, perhaps you can you can you know continue that on because the, the key for a lot of our clients will be what does this mean for market participants future business models uh this sort of this new concept yeah i mean as george was explaining um you know it's 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 really it's really about retail innovation and and we would imagine that you know 
in the retail sector that um, by setting up the right kind of policy framework, you'd be motivating the market participants to be highly innovative in um, extracting value upstream and then delivering really attractive consumer propositions in the form of different experience-based services. And and at the moment in the retail sector, there are a lot of restrictive rules, particularly the supplier hub concept, um, you know, whereby, uh, you know, the, um, the consumers uh, are interfacing with just a single supplier. And, and at the moment, you know, there's a lot of regulatory efforts going on to try and unlock that. And we think that's absolutely right. But what we need to do is to set the, a boundary um, around, you know, the retail sector that, that is, is linked to d- delivering outcomes. So we get guarantee that these outcomes in terms of carbon reduction and, and reliability are, are secured. And, um, and so if we do that right and we set the policy framework um, up like this, that it's outcome-based and not input-based, then we should, in theory, be able to, um, and in practice, be able to uh, enable any kind of business models to develop. Um, and um, and it's important that, that, you know, any restrictions or market barriers are lifted. Um, and then we would expect to see quite a lot of change um, um, alongside the decentralized contracting, reorganization of supplies, chains, um, efficiencies being squeezed out of supply chains, um, and um, and and consumers, you know, benefiting from from a wider variety of consumer propositions. In our other thought leadership work, um, in other areas, um, one of the proposals is to apply um, a carbon performance obligation on asset building owners, and um, and this would incentivize, um, you know, retailers to perhaps bundle um, different energy resources, including energy efficiency and demand reduction um, for, um, for those, those people that own buildings um, and um, to deliver sort of blended um, you know, resource optimization um, and project management on behalf of consumers and so on. So, so you're re- really creating a framework where you can drive optimization. Um, and, uh, and with that, obviously, lots of um, decentralized contracting and, and perhaps reorganization of the supply chain. So, yes, lots of change, potentially. Yeah, and a lot of opportunity, I think, for, you know, there are a lot of new entrants these days coming into the market with, I think they would, uh, they would welcome a lot of these opportunities to uh, get, in, you know, get more heavily involved, especially down at that consumer level. Uh, so, Sarah, you know... In terms of key takeaways from uh, from the work overall, do you have any for us? A couple of things. I think we may see some very, very different types of, of contractual relationships uh, across the across the value chain in the future with these new business models coming in. And importantly, I think it's it's who you're going to be contracting with. It may not be that the sort of the market participants in the in the current uh, energy system are are those that are. Are on their own in the in the new future, um, whether whether that's looking at the the likes of of the Amazons or the uh, or the Microsofts or the Googles, uh, or whether it's looking at your small community uh, energy systems, uh, you will maybe get a, a fairly significantly different mix of uh, of players in the market. Yeah, and I think you know, in 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 essence, it's about getting the market signals right and ensuring that policy framework, you know, delivers the outcomes required. 
um, by placing the obligations on the market actors that can actually drive the markets. Um, we are looking at a market-led approach and not market-based policy so much. Um, you know, this we are trying to achieve net zero, and it means scaling right across the economy. Um, without this this shift in policy approach from upstream to downstream, there's there's essentially a significant risk that we will really hamper and prevent a lot of innovation. And and consumer engagement is something we just cannot take for granted. So it's really important that um, future market design and the policy framework, you know, gets that right and gives it the best chance that's that's possible. So George, how uh, what's next then? For from uh, energy system catapult, how do we get there? How do we make it happen? What do you? Uh, what's next from you? Well, we're we're continuing to to work in this area. There'll be some deeper dives on particular themes. We're we're publishing uh, a report. We've been talking to a lot of stakeholders about 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 these ideas. We've got the opportunities potentially uh, with an energy white paper, much delayed, but uh, hopefully we're going to see one of those before long and that will open up space i think to take forwards some of these issues uh and uh and start making making some progress we can't move immediately from where we are now where we're heavily reliant on instruments like cfts and capacity market to drive investment in new resources of one kind or another but we need to start reforming those mechanisms and pulling back and and creating the right kind of market signals market environment so uh, we're looking to play our part by doing some thought leadership by working with innovators by clarifying uh, what the possibilities are what the uh, helping them to address some of the barriers and to to show what the possibilities uh, from innovative approaches could be. And finally, perhaps, uh, or well, actually, Gareth, uh, do you have anything to add on that? There is a there is a challenge. What we've set, what's been set out, is very clearly the the type of of framework that will that will encourage the sort of the investment that that's required for that net zero transition. Will encourage the innovation. That, that underpins uh, the development and also the integration that we, we want to get from, from the retail sector into this. Um, but the, you know, it's right, we, one of the things that constrains how quickly you can set that framework up is, is history uh, and where we are at the moment. And, and you, you, have to, you have to have a sort of a good plan for how you will transition from the business as usual at the moment Towards these uh, these changes, and and at the moment, areas around sharper locational signals, the interfaces between our transmission and distribution networks, um, as well as some of the the options for enabling the innovative retail consumer models, these all need 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 further pushing. Uh, I think the the work that that's been done by by the catapult is uh, is a good starting point for that. Thank you. And finally, uh, to you, George, and perhaps Gareth can uh, chip in as well. How was the collaboration uh, between Catapult and AFRI? Yeah, it was very enjoyable, uh, Matt. Um, very good to work with the AFRI team, with Simon and Gareth on these issues. Um, I think the thing that we particularly valued was obvious, you know, the obvious expertise uh, and knowledge that AFRI bring to uh, bring to this kind of work um, you know 
obviously you, you guys have been involved in in various markets uh, uh, around the world so enabling us to understand some of the lessons uh, that that we could draw from from experience elsewhere helping us work through the issues uh, collaboratively uh, um, and get our heads around the issues because this is really really challenging stuff um, so that was that was great uh, as well um, I feel like you helped us come up with a vision that is our vision um, but 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 to, but helped us to uh, to get there and to understand uh, you know what's possible for it to be as well informed as as we can make it by by evidence and analysis that was great and uh, I really like that you write in English as well uh, <laughs> for consultants so some of these issues are very complex but I find that uh, that Avery is very good at at, at turning uh, turning the, some of these issues into kind of understandable reports and uh, and, and documents so that that's very helpful too Thanks for those kind words, George. I think for, from our side of it as well, over the the, sort of the several pieces of work we've done over the last few years, we've we've always found the the, sort of the interaction, the collaboration to be to be really useful um, and also I mean, and challenging. I would say um, as well. Actually, what we what we really uh, appreciate is the fact that within the catapult, there's a, a diverse set of perspectives that are brought together because of the uh, the nature of the people that you've got working there sort of as well as sort of the policy and regulatory aspects you've got the people who are actually involved in in the consumer behavioral insights you've got the the sort of the technical um the technical experts and the real sort of innovators and the modelers and i think getting that sort of challenge about how you can deliver some of these visions from those very different sets of perspectives is a um is is really helpful actually because otherwise you can be you can come at these from a very narrow uh set of views and perspectives and so it's um it, it's great that we've been able to sort of contribute um our experience uh to the catapult but also i think the sort of the the, the catapult sort of wide insights have have helped firm up some of our ideas as to as to where some of the future market design elements should be going. So thank you very much to George, uh, to Sarah from the Catapult and to Gareth from our Oxford office. Uh, and thank you uh, for listening. I hope you're finding these podcasts interesting. I think it's a fascinating subject. Please remember to subscribe through your usual podcast providers and I look forward to talking with you in the future. Bye-bye.